Tim, season two, episode three of Stats Don't Matter. Some NFL free agency talk. Some golf? Yeah, some golf. Some states and their questionable COVID-19 sports <laughs> guidelines. Can we get to it all? We're about to, as the kids say, fuck around and find out in this episode. <laughs> and in our cups this week, it's an Imperial Brown Ale from Ashland, Oregon. And let me check my notes here. What's in your cup mm. is a Kentucky Strigget uh, Bourbon. What is it? Bourbon? I'll educate that? you, my friend. I'll educate you, my friend. Don't you worry. Ah, all righty. All right. Thanks to everyone who supports the Stats Matter podcast. Our season one was wildly successful in our eyes. And uh, we're, we're full steam ahead here into season two. Like, share, subscribe. It's on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Tim, let's go ahead and get into the show. All right. Well, I got something from Oregon. I just happened to get it at the grocery store. It's called Mowgli. It's an imperial chocolate porter. It's uh, from Caldera Brewing Company. It's part of their kettle series. And uh, it was inspired by the loss of a dear friend. This imperial chocolate porter was aged on bourbon-infused oak spirals and all-natural liquid chocolate. It's very rich, complex, sweet, chocolatey, big, and full of unconditional love. And if you're ever in Ashland, Oregon, check out the Caldera Brewing Restaurant located at that uh, 590 Clover Lane. And there's a nice uh, photo of... A big old chocolate lab. Such a good boy on the front there. Yeah, If I were to make a beer for my dog, <laughs> this is exactly what I would do. I would make it like a bourbon barrel, like rare release. I'd put my dogs like one of the worst mugs of, of my dog I could ever find. And then I'd probably sell it for like $28 a bottle. But it would probably only cost like 10 to make. You know what I mean? Yep. And you know what I wouldn't do? What's that? Buy, buy my dog any toys off that sale. <laughs> it, it would it would be recouping all of the things that I've paid for my dog out over his life. <laughs> Vets, <laughs> Tempur-Pedic <Yeah>. beds, <laughs> chew toys. Pet insurance. Uh, pet insurance, yeah. All right. You guys have a dog yet? You don't have a dog, right? No, we do. Yeah, we've had a dog for eight years. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm an idiot. I know, I've known that. I'm also choosing to pour this beer. Again, you can't see it, but... I'm choosing to pour this beer in a Lagunitas glass, which has, you know, the Lagunitas logo is a dog. So nice. Uh, it pours a, a very, very, brand. yeah, trying all the dogs. Maybe that's, that could be the title of this episode. Season two, episode three, Sam lets the dogs out. But that probably wouldn't work. So I probably don't do that. Um, <laughs> I was the, <laughs> the creative editor of this podcast. I yep. have some opinions on that, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, veto authority. <laughs> the bill does not make it to the floor for a vote. <laughs> um, just pouring it. It's got a really nice, uh, you know, frothy head to it. But I got to say for like um, a bourbon barrel beer, it is it looks to be a little thin. So, I mean, eight and a half percent. I suppose it's going to be, you know, super drinkable. I'm not saying it has to be like syrupy thick, but typically with a lot of those chocolate porters, um, you're going to get like a really syrupy thick taste to it. And it kind of sits in the glass and there's dregs everywhere. This looks like it, it could be a porter. Like you could drink this straight. So I'm, I'm actually really interested in this. A lot of chocolate on the nose. Okay, so if you ever had a porter before, I mean, it tastes like burnt, um, you know, malt, right? Because that, that's how you get the dark color. It's the same bitter taste you're going to get in a stout. Usually when they put chocolate in it, it kind of, you know, messes things up a little bit, makes it to be a little too sweet. This has nice waves of flavor. You get the chocolate up front of the nose. You get a little bit of that burnt malt. I can taste just a faint bit 
of the the bourbon, but not a lot. I, I taste more of the like the dark talk on the background. So I'm not really getting a whole lot out of this. Um, I gotta admit, I thought I'd probably get a little more flavor wise mm. out of this. So I'm not. This isn't a letdown by any stretch of the imagination. But um, Mowgli is a good boy, and this beer might not be everything I hoped it to be. So I'm gonna give this a. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give this a three five. Wow. Wait, yeah. was that a was that a real score? Yeah, three five. Yeah, yeah, three five real score. Wow. I mean, All right. I, I think I'm a little biased too, because like one of the best Imperial Porters I ever had was a collaboration between Modern Times and Boulevard. Uh and it it was a fantastic beer. So like that kind of set the bar super high. And all right, for me, uh this week mine's gonna be a little different. So as many of you know, took on a new role. I'm switching up my work schedule. So I kind of been avoiding having a lot of higher end craft beer float around the house just because I actually don't know outside of recording these podcasts when I'm actually going to sit down and enjoy a drink because as of tomorrow night, I start working the overnight shifts. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, so it's kind of made an, uh, a, a strange transition into sort of the whiskey bourbon world. I've always been a fan. Haven't had it around the house all that much. My wife isn't the biggest fan. Um, I used to get kind of cranky on it sometimes. So we just sort of avoided it <laughs> ourselves also. Um, <laughs> but uh, as a whole, uh, it, I mean, it's been it's been more than fine as of late. And uh, I have found myself in possession of some pretty interesting bottles um i might start doing this more regularly obviously i'm not saying i'll never have a beer again that's not accurate but maybe for the next couple episodes i might dive into some of these uh harder to find whiskeys that i've acquired over the last uh week or two um i got some eh taylor in the mix i got some uh midsummer night's dram in there some eagle rare but tonight we're going a little extra special, and I'm going to open up uh, a very special one that I got thanks to shout out Paul LaFontaine. Good looking out. Um, this bad boy uh, has a very unique topper on it that many of you who enjoy whiskeys might recognize. But it's got a little bit of a horse sitting on the top because I am about to open up a Blanton's. Um, if you're familiar with the whiskey bourbon world, You've probably heard of Blanton's before. Uh, Blanton's is a Kentucky straight bourbon. One of the more harder ones to get your hands on. In my opinion, uh, I mean, it's not one that I've had before getting my hands on this particular bottle. So, uh, I know we did the Laphroaig a couple weeks ago, and that wasn't really a hit. Um that tasted like straight up cigars. So <laughs> that's not my cup of tea. Hopefully this one is uh, not the case. I know generally the price tag that follows this bottle around. Uh, spoiler, I did not pay anywhere near close to that. I'm not going to say how much I did spend because some of you guys might turn off the podcast and never listen again. But um, we'll say below below MSRP. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it was last year's model. You yeah. went in on the last day of the sales months and, and convinced the salesman to let you get the uh, the floor mats and the upgraded sound system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, cheers, Sam. I know I missed the last uh, couple weeks. Life got in the way as I was transitioning into this new schedule. I was on this weird training schedule that kind of kept me uh, later than normal for most of my weeks. And in some of those days, I ended up sticking around for 
an hour or two after we would have been recording anyway. So Jesus took the wheel last week. We're back on the saddle this week, and we should be able to maintain this going forward. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers, Cheers. man. And uh, shout out to uh, the folks listening to this podcast. I hope that uh, my barber is listening to this podcast because the wife's telling me that the beard is getting a little too Duck Dynasty. So uh, it might uh, might get knocked down. Actually, I, I I took a little bit off the other day just to see if she would notice. And I walked into the bathroom and I was like, hey, did you notice anything? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay. Mm. And she was like, did you shave? And I'm like, I did. She goes, oh, not enough. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, is, what is this? And she's like, she goes, your mustache. Like, there's something wrong with your mustache. I was like, okay. All right, here we go. So, like, I had to kind of DM my barber, like, yo, hit me up. I got to get in the shop. She's letting me know this is too much. I got I to cut it down. And, and, and Sam's office lighting, the beard is, uh, is phenomenal. Uh yeah, when you get in the sun, it gets a little Duck Dynasty. When you, when the light sheens through it, and you can see the out the perfect outline of the chin behind it, <laughs> yeah, it's time. It's time. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. All right. Well, <clears throat> all right. Yeah, we we we, here, we did some. Yeah. Well, here's 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 the tip. We got to give it a rating. Even though oh. it's not a beer, we got to give it a rating. Yeah, we do. <sighs> um, I mean, compared to the Lafroig. This is obviously way better. Ah, uh, um, here we go. Yeah. So I've been uh one of the one of the whiskeys I've been having a lot of lately is the Elijah Critic store pick. It's a single barrel that uh samples get sent to a package store. They select them all. Package stores is what we call liquor stores here in Connecticut. Uh but they send them samples, you open them up, you try it. Depending on the one that you like, you select it and you get that entire barrel dedicated to your store. Easily the best value going at any package store. You can find them anywhere from like twenty nine to thirty nine bucks. It's some of the best uh, whiskey for that cost. So if you ever see them, grab them. They got a couple other really girl, uh, other really good ones as well in that series. The Barrel Proof. They have one called the Toasted uh, Toasted Barrel, which is uh, much higher in the price point. A little harder to get, but it's a little bit sweeter. It's got some of that smoky flavor to it. Um, so I'm gonna compare this more. To the top end versions of Elijah Craig, not necessarily the bottom, because you know, I while I think Elijah Craig definitely holds a candle to some of this, I don't think necessarily the bottom. It's not the bottom level, but I don't think the store pick necessarily compares quite adequately to to this one. This is phenomenal. Now, that being said, I know the secondary market is where most people are going to get their Blanton's bottles. It's going to run you one hundred and sixty dollars. Some people are going to pay four hundred dollars. I've seen it listed somewhere. $90 tend to be sort of the average, but that's still way above the actual cost. At cost, this is like a $50 bottle of, of whiskey. But again, secondary, like EH, some of the 10-year Eagle Ray or some of that other stuff, um, climbs way higher than what you should be spending on this kind of liquor. So I will say financially, it's overrated. But from an actual <laughs> taste standpoint... It's phenomenal. I get yeah. a little bit of sweet. I get uh, like a little bit of sort of a, a, like a nutty flavor uh, that comes out of it on the tail end. Um, I'm going to give it, I need to adjust my scale a little bit for the whiskey bourbon range. I'm going to do a one out of 10 instead of a one through five, just because of some of the nuances. Oh my some God. Of these whiskeys. Jesus. I thought you were about to say you're going to give it a one out of 10. And I was like, you did. This is weird. I don't know what you're, no, you're going to give no, it a one no, out of no, 10, no. but I'll give this one like, uh, like a seven, eight. 
seven point wow. eight out of ten. It's it's up there with some of the some of the better ones, but factoring the the overvaluation of the cost, uh, if I had bought this one at regular cost or secondary, that would probably have skewed my my uh, rating a little bit. But I'll give this one a seven eight. It's definitely one of the better ones I've had. It's definitely one I would get. Um, I don't know if I got one. Again, if I would let it sit on a shelf as long as I did for this one, just because it's ready I mean, it to go, it smells fantastic. It smells like sweet right off the nose, and it has this like solid finish with not a lot of burn on the back end for ninety three proof. That's pretty solid. One little one little note for anybody who's not familiar with it: they have some genius marketing behind it, where. Each horse label on the top of it, I'll show it the same. I know you guys can't really see it, but you see the little letter right there in the bottom? Yeah. Well, each one has a different letter, and they all spell out Blanton's. Uh, and basically, it's the oh. start of a... This one is letter A. So it transitions from the start to the uh, finish of a horse race with the last, I think it's S, being the guy with the hands up so a lot of people th see that and think that there's a different in the variants that they're drinking uh that's not the case oh it's, it's too bad marketing campaign because you can take them i don't know if you can still do it now with covid but you used to be able to collect all of the the caps send them in and they would actually take part of a blanton's barrel mount all of them on the top and then ship it back to you in a package as this sort of like mantelpiece sort of thing for your bar which that's right again yeah it's pretty cool but it's more for bragging rights and it shows that you probably spent a lot more money on uh whiskeys than you should have because i don't know many people who are going to get lucky enough to find that many at cost so uh yeah you, you never know but i mean what are my two thousand check-ins on untap say that i yeah. am a connoisseur of beer or that i just spend a lot of money on beer don't answer that. I mean, are we going <laughs> off of your are we going off your rating scale? <laughs> oh boy. Anyways, anyways. Uh, no, yeah, no, that's we've pretty good. Evaluated the rating scale. You're 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 in the sweet spot now. So now, henceforth, Sam's scale should be known as a regular scale. Oh, now now it's acceptable. Yeah. It yeah. Went, my my rating scale went through its rookie year. You know what I mean? And now it's yeah. uh now now it's time to go ahead and get franchise tags. So it's like it needs to act yeah. right. But speaking of right <clears throat> these mm. these delicious beverages find them wherever you can Mowgli from caldera and blanton's uh collect Just them all wherever. i guess like <laughs> yeah whiskey like whiskey pokemon collect them all if you can't get all the the bottles at the top but we got to we got to talk about this NFL free agency NFL free agency just opened up with the legal tampering period uh and as expected the socials was popping with a lot a lot a lot of movement uh and we're going to talk about some of those right now Uh, all right, speaking of catching them all, uh, we're going to move along here and segue right into NFL free agency, which has started uh, in full effect over these last few days. And the Patriots have gone full Pokemon with their acquisitions. Uh, but before we dive into that, we've got to dive into a little bit to the former Patriot. It seems no matter who the player is, as long as they're a former Patriot player, they still seem to be making the news. And when you're Tom Brady, doesn't matter where you play, you're in the news. And 
that man got himself paid while also finding a way to restructure his contract that was both beneficial for the salary cap hit that was going to come down on the Buccaneers, but also very much for his wallet. So his original deal uh, was a, a two-year deal, $50 million contract, virtually fully guaranteed, and $9 million more in incentives. But there was no signing bonus at all, at least not tied into the contract. Now, he kind of restructured it. So he has this weird four-year extension with a couple of years voided, where he'll earn $15 million in salary in, in both of the next two seasons with a $10 million roster bonus. Three days after signing, he was paid his full 2020 roster bonus. And at the same time, uh, the 2020 roster bonus became fully guaranteed. So he received $20 million with $10 million deferred into next year, which when we get into the, the, the Hill and <laughs> the Jameis Winston contract, that's going to hit yeah. a little harder when that comes up. Um, but in 2020, Brady counted $25 million against the cap. That was set to increase to 28.375 million in 2021. Partly because of the, the likely to be earned incentives based off of this year's performance. Uh, it kind of slid the scale a little bit. Coming out of the Patriots season, they saw he was kind of on a little bit of a downswing. I think they banked on that a little bit, and he exceeded all those. So we could pretty much bank on some of that happening. Sort of slides yeah. the bar a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's this isn't the first time we're going to talk about it. Right, it's not going to be the last time we talk about it. I, I, I haven't personally heard of this in previous seasons. I'm sure it happened. But. It's big news now because it's Tom Brady contract, but it's basically a shell game is what they're doing. So instead of guaranteeing a player a ton of money up front for a short-term contract, instead what they'll do is they'll build out that contract after uh, out a couple of years, uh, but then they'll void it after one season, which sounds crazy. So after one season, he can just step away, move on, uh, it's just the, the dead salary that that player incurs that the team has to continue to pay out afterwards. And some of that is, is structural. You almost need like a, a business degree to understand how some of these things work. But by structuring some of this in 2021, Brady was set to count for 14.7% of the Buccaneers salary cap. But now that everything has moved and been and changed it should bring that down and release a little bit of space for them to go out and make a couple signings. Um, it's, it's crazy. They, we're going to talk about Taysom Hill here in just a second where they did the exact same thing. I know there's a lot of up in the airs as far as how uh, or who is going to take that starting position. They signed him to what looks like a quarterback type salary. I, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case, if he's going to be the starter, because, again, it looks a lot like uh, a shell game where much of his contract is, quote-unquote, voided after, I think his is two years. Uh, and what that does is that adjusts the salary cap hit and it adjusts the uh, dead salary if that player should choose to leave. Now, obviously, Taysom Hill isn't as good of a quarterback as Tom Brady is. Uh, Are you sure? In fact, when when we did the 
Yeah, when we read you the stats here in a second, you're going to be surprised. Yeah. Stats don't matter, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady, when he leaves, his hit is something like, I don't even know, I, th- I think it was going to be like $7 million, $8 million or something if he left in 2021. And if he leaves the following year, it's something crazy like $16 million. If Taysom Hill leaves after his contract is voided, there's no dead salary left on the on the contract at all. So I obviously, mean, there's some differences. Be <laughs> honest, right? Right when you got the first uh, the first notification about this five year, hundred forty million deal, did you think like I thought, which is like someone has hacked all of the sports <laughs> insiders? <laughs> like, like this is a joke, right? <laughs> like. I was, yeah. I was in the middle of a meeting and I saw the notification come across my phone. I was like, this is bullshit. Like someone, yeah. someone take the, the insiders from the worldwide leader and the NFL network, take their phones away. They've been hacked. All right. This, uh, is, this is free agent interference. There's no way. There's no way. There's, there's, but they gave it's this dude a five year, $140 million deal. Yeah. And have you, have you heard his stat line as a starting quarterback? Well, no, but I mean, I, I, I know enough that trying to get him into some, you know, QB and tight end flex, uh, you know, fantasy football action last year and not getting any of the points because I missed after the after the hits, sort of like, you know, how I sold GameStop when it was $5 a share. And anyways, bad, <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad, bad gamblinger I am. So I'm, I'm not yeah, gambling. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a three and one record. He has thrown four touchdowns and two interceptions. He does have a QBR rating of 98.8 or 98.9 or, or something like that. The man was given a hundred and forty million dollars. Now, let's be honest, he's probably not gonna see a ton of that. The way it's structured, he gets twelve million guaranteed, and nine million is a signing bonus that is getting paid out over the next couple of years. So in reality, unless he turns out to be a superstar quarterback or they find some reason to keep him around, um, is he expected to see the full 140? Probably, probably not. I don't think so. Um, What's that uh, that contract that the Mets are still paying out on? Oh, oh my god, Bobby, uh, Bobby. Oh my god, Bobby Benitez. Bobby, Bobby yeah, so, yeah, something like that. Bob, Bobby, something. But basically, this guy's still getting paid That's, out. That is the years. worst brain fart I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, that was that That's, was bad. That's this that type of contract. That's we this need type to of cancel. We need to cancel our podcast after not having that just like on memory. Easy. Let's let's do something worth being canceled before we start canceling ourselves. Not knowing that contract is one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Bobby Vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. I think think that's what it is. But but of course, if if Taysom gets his big contract, what about uh, James Winston, who everyone's talking about? W. I'm going to eat a W. What's what's he? What's he? He must be winning, right? Like if, if Taysom got a five year, 140 million. Jameis had to have gotten like a two or three year deal versus, you know, like 60 million, you know, 48 <laughs> guaranteed or something, right? There has to be something there. Uh, uh yeah, no, he got a a $5.5 million deal, uh, which 4.5 of that is the uh, one year deal. And 5.5 of that is being paid out, uh, 4.5 of that is being paid out over the next two years. So what? his base, his base salary is, is the vet minimum. A million dollars. Wow. Yep. What a what a precipitous fall from the number one overall pick. That that, that is bad. Yeah, yeah. Bad, bad, yeah. bad. Yeah. And you are you you lost your position as a quarterback 
to a guy who has played four games as a starting quarterback and is like in his late thirties. Well, remember too that uh, I mean the same thing happened with Jimmy G. He only played a few games, and then the 49ers tapped him up and gave him a nice big old extension. So that that's the way it happens. I think. Yeah, but one of those is a quarterback, and one of those is not. One that's true. Not is a guy named Taysom Hill. <laughs> well, I, he's a quarterback, tight end, gadget player, running back. Yeah. I, I want to see him that's play like, snaps at linebacker and, and, and DB next year. That's, that's, that's like what putting I want to see. that's like putting Julian Edelman in that quarterback because he was in college and or in high school and can throw every now and again. Like it's just you're gonna put it has stuff, its place. You're gonna you're gonna pay a starting quarterback salary for a, a, a dual threat player like that. I don't know. Well, just the way it goes. And of course, all these moves are being precipitated because legendary Drew Brees has retired, right? So mm-hmm. he is now going to be a, an NFL analyst for NBC Sports, which means we're probably going to see him on Sunday Night Football next season. Ready for it. I don't know if he can exactly do the Tony Romo thing because I'm not really sure. He's not really one of those cerebral guys. He doesn't really talk out loud about going through a play that I've seen in interviews, right? So I'm kind of interested to see what he does next year. But if you're James Winston, do you not look at Taysom Hill's contract as like a little bit of disrespect? And by a little oh. bit, I mean like a mountain of disrespect. Like, yeah. Uh, he, even with all the void years, like, oh boy, still getting more money than you. And you've been in the league longer and you've been a quarterback for longer. The only thing you haven't done is go out there and catch passes. Although I'm sure Jameis would go out there and catch passes if it meant his elevators would go up and he would get more money. So, yikes. What is free yeah. agency doing to some NFL teams? Or some. People's personal well-beings, because that man is depressed. That man is depressed, and I mean, he's still making a million more dollars this year than I am. So I that's true. That's true. But uh, ah, man, that's that's crazy. All right, so moving on. My favorite part of this episode, mm. begrudgingly, it's a new segment called "New Patriots Who Dis," because uh, Tim, for a team who that da, is who da, notoriously. Who da, who da, who da, who. <laughs> A team that is notoriously mum on wanting to spend any money in free agency mm-hmm. just decided to open Gringotts Bank. Uh, I mean, yeah. go to Wells Fargo and say, you know, what are we doing here? Sign me for the highest loan of credit. They just like, what did Bill leave his Amex black card out? And they just decided to sign everyone. Like, what the hell? Like, hide your players, hide your GMs, because Bill out here snatching everybody up. Shout out to Anthony Dodson. I mean, what in the world is going on up there in Foxborough? That I, it's like Bill Belichick fell asleep. It's it's literally like someone hit him with a tranquilizer for the last four days. And they're quick, wise out, make all the calls. Let's buy everyone before he wakes up. <laughs> he probably woke uh, up. To, he probably woke up tonight, being like, "Well, Jesus, what what have we done?" Um, or hold on, this is me getting my tinfoil hat ready real quick. Let me just fold it up real quick. It was the dog. The dog did. Put it, I put it on my head. Uh, here's the tinfoil hat. Uh, Bill's balling out because he's ready to call it quits, and he knows he's only got a couple years left. So you know, actually, take up all that money, take up all that escrow you built up in your twenty plus years of being there, and blow that bitch free agency ball out for two years because you still got some question marks. Do I think this is going to be the year? Not with Cam Newton as the quarterback. Oh, That's still oh not hell to say. no. No, That's no, no. still not to say that Cam Newton is the starting quarterback. They signed him to a backup okay. deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They signed him to a backup deal. There's a chance we could trade up, pull someone from the draft, or count this as a sort of 
feeling out year for a lot of the new guys that they brought in, unless Cam has somehow shown something in the offseason that we didn't see uh, any time past week like six of last he week showed, before he, he went showed out enough COVID. to get to get another deal. And what are you telling me that Jared Stidham's going to take the job from him? What are you telling me that, well, that, that whoever the quarterback shows, they pick at fifteen overall is going to take the job from him? Psych. I think this. I think this shows more their lack of confidence in Stidham than it does their confidence in Cam because or they maybe. literally they built a huge backbone for somebody, but. They guaranteed $137.5 million in all of the signings that just went on. And we'll we'll go through and give you the names of yeah. all of them in a and second. What's the salary cap this year? Dude, 182, and a half. So like you're looking at like less than 50 million. You can't give Cam 15 million a year. That's gonna eat up too many, too many other valuable positions. This was smart. But, and since but you it, couldn't handle Cameron Jarrell. At his worst when he was injured last season. I want to hear nothing from any Patriots fans when y'all are winning games next year because you have a good defense and Cam go out there and score 21 points a game. We, had, guys a decent, win. we had a decent we defense. We didn't have a decent defense this year. Eight people opted out for COVID. You barely stayed alive. You won eight games and you were We lucky. had a better record than an entire division with half of our defense sitting out. So yeah, yeah. pump the brakes and we had a bad That's defense. That's the AFC lease for you. We had to pull a, that shit in AFC West and tell you what. We had a much, much better defense. In fact, our defense is what kept us in a lot of games. Our offense didn't mm-hmm. do shit in a lot of those games. Here's what I think hey, is going to happen. Didn't either. I think they signed a couple guys who are going to help Cam clear up some room in around the field. They're back to the double tight ends. They got Hunter yeah. Henry. Uh, they got Johnny Smith. So I, I, I think what they tried to do is play into Cam's weaknesses with guys who could also contribute if a better player steps in. The problem so is you're we saying saw a quarterback Cam that is weak, throwing to people who needs two tight ends. Who does that sound like there was in New England? Oh. Do me a favor. While I'm talking about this segment, pull up your Googles, <laughs> go back and look up a one Thomas Brady and see Ugh. what his average in 50 Ugh. to 60 yard passes throughout <sighs> the entire season. And you'll find, guess what? He led the league. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, because mm. he had the Golden State Warriors of talent, which is essentially, they're, they're trying to do that. They're trying to do that a light Golden in New State England. Golden State Warriors on the verge of retirement. People who were cut from teams are not even getting paid out who came back. But because he won, everyone's like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're clearly the greatest formation of talent. A lot of f- people. Oh my god. A lot of people are taking they're Tom Brady moving back. to Florida very hard. It's clear that now that after you can claim your Super Bowl victory, you're just like now you really see that the move for what it was, and now now you're burned because if you would have had this team with Tom Brady taking twelve million a year, you'd have been very happy. You'd be like woo woo choo choo on the the stairmaster to eight or you know. Feeling nine, feeling fine, going for nine. Or you're talking what, to a guy great, who is, you know what I mean? No, you're you're talking to a guy who is used to a team put together by a bunch of nobodies who won. So, and we won a lot. Coming from a guy who had a team who spent a shit ton of money on a lot of players, and how many Super Bowls do you guys get out of it? So no, I'm not talking about Tom Brady going down and putting together the Avengers like everyone is trying to assume. The expendables. Don't, don't forget, one of the guys that took him through majority of the Super Bowl wasn't even on a team. He got cut, and they brought him in. So don't – everyone's like, oh, no, all the talent. No, it wasn't obvious talent going into it. They brought a guy who was off the field for his life falling apart. They had a running back who 
was not on a team. They had another guy who was retired for a year. What are you talking about with like the best team? And no, you you sleep in this bed because you brought it up. You're the guy that brought it up and said Tom Brady. I'm just saying you, you, you well can't be anymore. like you, you can't you can't be like oh my god two tight end sets in New England. We're going to be terrible when two tight end sets is what got New England to be where they are prominence said, wise what? back in the day. I never said they were going to be terrible. If two tight ends works for Brady, two tight ends are going to work just fine for Cameron Jarrell. It's going to be just fine. I feel like sometimes you don't listen to me because that's exactly what I just said. I said they brought in two tight ends to make up for Cam's lack of ability to throw because he can't connect with anybody. So now throw two tight ends in there and three wideouts, and someone has to be open and literally not moving to be a standing still target because Cam already shown under 15 yards, he's going to throw it three yards short. Over twenty five yards, he's gonna throw up five yards long. He is saying that man spot. was injured. He was he was throwing oh. all the all the pieces. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, dude. I got spoiled. Is... You went you went seven and nine one season. You act like oh my god, we're back. You guys, you got Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver. Please tell me how that's supposed to be scary. I just it's only no. scary because he's gonna be open because you everyone else putting, is gonna double team Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. No, you're putting words in my mouth because I never said they were going to be good. In fact, I literally just said we don't have a quarterback, and this is just a year to feel out some of those guys are. You're just making it up as you go at this point nah. because you're trying You're trying to get me going about being the Patriots and Tom Brady, and none of those <laughs> things I actually said. I said we don't have a quarterback. They brought in the two tight ends to help him because he literally can't connect to anybody, and then yeah. somehow you link that to Tom Brady not being able to throw anymore, no, which I is said, probably I said, the dumbest take you had oh my god no 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 linda listen listen you, you, you were talking about two like tight ends a, and how he's not going to commentator we all know and here oh was ben my goodness bad. oh my goodness i'm just saying sam two tight ends. over here uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying two tight I mean, hey hey at least i didn't come out and say this something the other day like uh what, what what did he say to Orlovsky the other day that was like that made him go crazy? Like it said, he said, oh, just like that Drew Brees is not like fame, but not yeah. in the inner sanctum. Yeah, <laughs> no, like Tim, I'm trolling. This is exactly what I'm doing. I'm trolling right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, look, like for for New England Patriots who've been asleep at the wheel during free agency for many years to go out and spend 137 and a half million dollars, million dollars mm-hmm. on the first couple of days. This is like hashtag Stimmy season, right? So this is the Stats Matter podcast with Smith for five eleven and Stimothy Cronin. You know what I'm saying? Like. The New England Patriots are just spending tons of money, and they don't ever do that. Personally, if I got a complaint, it's the Patriots for taking both John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. I'd have been fine with you taking one of them because mm-hmm. fantasy, for fantasy football purposes, I would have chosen one of them. But now you got both on there. What am I supposed to do with that? John o. Smith was a touchdown machine last year, getting six to you know 12 points a week. Now I can't rely on that because a running back at the backfield is going to catch it when they're, they're double blocking or something. That's what I'm talking about. This it's not going to be a resurgence, but I I I never claimed this was a resurgence. I said it's the fa- it's the first time that I can remember where they went out and opened the bank to bring players in. If but I we don't think that's because it's Cam's nine, issues. What? I don't think it's because of Cam's issues. I think last year they had like cap issues they needed to take care of with, with Brady leaving, and like they didn't have a lot of people on defense. Right? You said that you had eight COVID opt outs. So, like, I think that their free agency stuff, like, to me, when I look down the list, Jalen Mills in the secondary, that's good. You got the nose tackle. You got Matthew Judon from the Ravens. Those are good in the middle. Kendrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, and Hunter Henry terrifies me. And I'm not even, like, an NFL defensive coordinator. Aguilar is just out there. He's going to be cannon fodder. He's going to catch, like, six passes, 
for something stupid like 250 yards over a couple games, and we're not going to hear from him all season. Because yeah, he, he averaged like 30 yards, 40 yards a game last season. The Hunter Henry is, yeah. is is someone who's going to be there, and he makes catches when they matter, and that's it. Yeah, but okay, but and if for, you have three for, or four of these the options. Record, for the record, Mr. The Patriots defense stunk last year. I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. What did they rank last year? I don't care league? what they ranked last year. Well, you got a Patriots you, fan. Uh, well, seventh. Seventh in the league. It, you're, you're trying to say that that's bad? That's not hey, bad. Seventh they in the league, maybe. But if, if you talk about the beginning part of the season, they gave up 30-plus to the damn Seattle Seahawks. That, that wasn't the seventh best I know, that ranked shitty defense. team. Okay. All right. Anyways, moving <laughs> on here. You got you got a lot a lot of free agency signings. I think, yeah. I think this is this is this is a really good thing, right? Um, I'm very unsuccessful. It's a good thing I have a psychology degree because I was not successful in planting my imposter syndrome ideas into your head about how bad the Patriots are going to be this year, which they're not, because of course not. They got 137 million dollars they spent the first day of free agency. But and I do think let's not forget all the COVID players coming back. So we were seventh in the league with a bunch of guys who weren't expecting to be starters. This is, this is working. Yes. <clears throat> I, I agree. Just to, I think just to that, bring it back full circle. I, I think I circle. think that seventh in the league, missing most of our starters, our star starters coming back with all these signings. Just oh, to, just be, to reiterate, it's gonna be so great when you guys are like two and four, like through six weeks, like next year. It's gonna be so great. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be fantastic. I can't wait. I can't uh, wait to see you in a, uh, a a Patriots the the old school Patriots jersey. That shit ain't happening. When mm-hmm. the season comes up, we're going to make a bet. And I can tell you who's going to have more wins next year. It's going to be Seattle Seahawks again. Because I'm still, yes, still going to wear I'm going to wear my my new Seattle Seahawks jersey on opening day of football season. So oh, I haven't forgotten about it. Here it's we go. Coming. Here we go. Here uh, we go. For, uh, opening. We'll do preseason because I can't put that kind of karma out there uh, during <laughs> opening day. <laughs> Stats don't matter. Preseason games don't matter. Yep. Totally. Look, I. This is this is completely different from the Patriots. I do agree with you. I think that they are probably trying to like realize that maybe the swan song for Bill Belichick's career is coming up in the next few years. Here, and they say, you know what? Let's swing for the fences. We did this cap wizardry for the past few years. We don't really need to do it now. Uh, and and spending big and getting all not not even just like one, you know, free agent at their the top of their position. Multiple free agents at the top of their positions. Um, to me, if I'm the AFC East teams, I'm like, God damn it. Come on, like, could couldn't you have waited? You know what I mean. Like, Buffalo has to like restructure Matt Milano's contract to like get him under the cap, and then New England's like essentially going to the club with a knapsack of money, and the club owner is like, I don't know if you'd know this, it's a fifteen thousand dollar minimum for the table, and Bill's like, <laughs> Yes, I know, we'll take six tables. Like that's what's happening <laughs> right now, and it, we're just not used to seeing that, so it's a really really different thing because like. Patriots fans at the end of last season were like, oh my God, just burn it all, burn it all the way to the ground. Let's just start over fresh. And all of a sudden they're like, listen, if you weren't with us last year, go buy yourself a Tampa Bay jersey and just defect for a season. We don't want to hear it. Like, we're ready. We're, we, we got one of the best nose tackles. We got some secondary help. We got some offensive help. Like, it looks like they're going to take the shot this year. Yep. I got to say, though, if there's a team in free agency that I'm that I'm probably worried about losing key role players. This is a dark horse, but it's the Titans, right? Uh, they, they got some free agents there. I don't think they're going to re-sign Clowney. Jonu Smith, like, eight, seven, eight touchdowns last year. It's very hard to, like, replace that. Corey Davis, he goes to the Jets. He, he signs a big money deal there. So, like, it's A.J. Brown. It's Derrick Henry. Like, what yeah. else What else do you got there? You know what I mean? Like, the defense has got some holes, too. Like, 
that is a team that if I'm if I'm, if I'm saying if I'm just looking at what's happened on paper, that's a team that's probably take a little bit of a step back. So I, I'd be worried about that a little bit. But I mean, this is what happens. You know, you got the Jags are making a lot of free agent acquisitions. Uh, they're being a splash. You got some other teams that are you know making moves here or there. Uh, the Houston Texans signing uh, Tyrod Taylor to a one year deal. That was kind of quizzical. A little confusing yeah. there. I, I don't really know that that's the that's the backup insurance that you wanted. Um, offensive line drama. Corey Lindsey from the Packers. He goes to the Chargers. There's uh, Raiders offensive linemen that are being jettisoned out like as if they're escape pods from the Death Star going everywhere. Right. <laughs> New England got one. Uh, there's a couple others that are out there on the, on the, the the market right now. Like it's absolutely insane. Which brings yeah. me to my next point. If there's teams that are usually very quiet in free agency, it's kind of like frustrating, especially if it's your favorite team. Seattle, been one of those teams for years, they usually don't get very active uh, in the first day of free agency. But you know what didn't happen, Tim? At the time mm-hmm. of this recording, Russell Carrington Wilson has not been <laughs> traded, will not be traded, is going to be a Seattle Seahawk this year because none of his preferred trade destinations are available because they all sign quarterback deals. So, Yeah, well, guess what happens now? Desperation sets in. Okay, we'll see when they when they win twelve games against. Chicago. Chicago was the only team that uh, I've heard a formal decline from, but I've heard there are three other teams actively pursuing him. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I know, I know. Currently, Seattle said, "Hey, we're not interested right now." But how funny would it be if you were a team that funny? just suddenly acquired a bunch of new talent that everyone was looking for, and then you had that on the offering table? Are you even attempting to suggest that he would go to the New England Patriots? Because I will quit this podcast right now. I will spontaneously I, self-combust. I will do I mean, that. I mean, would there be a more Bill Belichick move than that to take and say, hey, look at this cool roster we built up. Just kidding. It's literally here to backload a amazing contract offer for one Russell Wilson. I would, I would die. Tell me real I would, quick. Hold on, real quick. Let's let's just all right, hold on. Put the conspiracy hat back on. All right. <laughs> Give me starting positions that the uh Seattle Seahawks could benefit from. Oh. Tight tight well, ends? Wide yeah, receivers? hundred percent. No, well not wide not wide receiver three, yes. They got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, awesome one two connection. Tight end has always been a uh a turnstile. Like they, they've never been able to keep one person healthy at that position. Um so they've had to rotate quite a bit. That's why I wanted someone like Hunter Henry or John Smith. That'd be great. It's probably going to be Zach Hurts now because he's the only one left and he's kind of a blocking tight end and kind of wants to go somewhere. But you're probably going to overpay for him or maybe not because the Eagles want like a second day, you know, pick for him. So like yeah. Chris Carson was rumored to also be, you know, talking with the New England Patriots, which is freaking me out. Carlos Hyde is now a Jacksonville Jaguar. Shaquille Griffin, their cornerback, is now at Jacksonville Jaguar. Like the Jacksonville Jaguars are the Seattle Seahawks South, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it's 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 cool, good for them. Go 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 play in your tax free state. But like, th- there are problems, and and the team is being so quiet. And they're like, oh well, we haven't traded Wilson. Yes, but until today, like three hours ago, they hadn't done anything in free agency. They let people go. <laughs> they hadn't signed anyone. They happened to get a killer Weatherspoon from the 49ers, who had a great yeah. bounce back year in 2020, but. Before that, pro football focus, not so good. But, again, division rival, you want to get that knowledge. They also re-signed Puna Ford to a two-year deal. That's good. We need some interior run stop. But, uh, yeah, 
It's like Seattle goes, we're not going to overpay on the first day. Okay. Yeah. How, can, can you be in contention like the second day? You know what I mean? Like let, let everyone spend their money on the poker tables the first day and just come on in with all the, all the gusto and reducing contracts. Nope. Nothing. Yeah. Russ so, is I still mean, making $35 million a year. Plus this year, we're not redoing that contract like everyone else is doing. Like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. Everything's yeah. fine. Everything's fine, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying the Patriots are trading anybody. I'm not saying they wouldn't because that is a Bill Belichick move to call those guys and be like, hey, man, uh, don't unpack your shit. <laughs> there's, a, there's a salad chain. Like, you're here, and if this doesn't work out, we're all the better for it. But also, uh, don't unpack your shit yet because there's a chance uh, you may head in west. But I don't know. We'll see. It did yeah. surprise me that with nothing happening on the team, the jettisoning of some of the players that they did have on that team, um, no moves, no notable moves made on there. And you kind of, kind of makes you take a step back for a second and wonder, okay, going into the start of free agency, if you are a one Russell Wilson, if you're like, we're in good shape, let's make some moves. I don't want to be traded. Fast forward a couple of days into free agency, nothing happens. Are you like, mistakes have been made? Uh, I remember how awesome it was to sit on the sidelines last year and watch Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. I want to be that guy. I'm young, but I'm not the youngest quarterback in the league anymore. So, unfortunately, the sands of time, you know, they're they're getting to that little, you know, halfway point on the top of that dial. Did you never play Prince of Persia on PlayStation or watch the Jake Gyllenhaal movie? You can just turn that little, you can just just turn that thing around. (laughs) Never saw the movie. Uh, No, I didn't either. I heard it. I never saw the movie. Yeah, I heard the movie was terrible. All right. So, those are notable NFL free agency things. Um, Very frustrating. I'm I'm sitting here waiting with uh, bated breath for some more signings that are, there's a couple of good free, you know, free agent linemen out there, but I did not expect that doing a Patriots like, and shout out to Drew Rosenhaus. Every, every like, you know, breaking news thing was like, Oh, this player signs with doing a Patriots per Drew Rosenhaus sports. Like I know he's probably not the agent for all of them, but shout out to the Rosenhaus agency because they are probably making a ton off of that $137 million one day haul one day. Kids yeah. don't invest in, uh, in stonks. Don't, don't go for GameStop or AMC. Just <laughs> support your local uh, <laughs> your local agents. You know, buy into them. Okay, I'm, I'm not a financial here. advisor, but please do not put more money into GameStop if you have FOMO. You have missed the train. I'm sorry, you have missed the train. I anyway. don't know. Is it is it two sixty this week? Yeah, it's been holding at two sixty for a company that almost went bankrupt, and they but did it. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> because. Uh, it was overshorted. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go down a rabbit hole, so we won't. But I'll say <laughs> it. Uh, a a Wall Street. All right, sorry. A a Wall Street savvy redditor noticed that it was overextended on the short market and played that, uh, and then encouraged everyone to buy up stocks so that the, those who had shorts had no option but to also buy more stocks. Anyway, drove up the cost, and it's become now a thing. So now the the meme thing to do is buy that stock but they signed a new board member in chewy a former uh the the former owner of chewy.com he came in has said he's going to turn it around and to become an e-commerce style um electronic business uh i don't see it happening it's going to eventually fall out so if you didn't catch on early you haven't made your money 
again, I'm not a financial advisor. I would caution you. I would caution, caution, caution you before investing, you know, your next mortgage payment. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it anyways. All right. <clears throat> moving on here. Also, Tim, we first... also, quick, quick, quick little tidbit. Most of the people who made the big money out of that actually played options on it. And if you don't know how options work, it's a scary, scary world in which oh, yeah. you you post up, uh, let's call it pretend money for a small fee. You spend for the right to buy at a cheaper cheaper rate. So the guy you guys are following on Wall Street bets basically bought shorts of the stock. I'm not sorry, bought options in the stock a year ago when the stock was five dollars. That said, okay. It, whatever the end point of when that option expires, that contract expires, let's say it's a year from that point, 365 days. When you buy into an option, you pay a premium so that at any time throughout the lifespan of that option up until it expires, and I think even a few days after it expires, you can exercise the right to buy that stock at that cost. So uh, the deep fucking value guys that everyone's following that had to go up and sit in front of the government and talk about the stock and I like the stock all that. What he did was he saw it was overshorted. He bought hundreds and hundreds of these options at $5 a share. And then as uh, he made it aware that the stock was overshorted and people started to buy Hedge funds had to panic. The only way they could clear their shorts was to buy more stock. Drove the cost up. So now if you have, let's say you have 100,000 shares in options at $5 a share, you exercise those options. You literally bought all of those shares for $5 a share when the share is worth $300, $400, or whatever it was. Yeah, so the way people was on Wall yeah. So the way people really make money in the stock market is with options, buying and selling shares and we'll get you some money, but the millions of dollars you're seeing are option purchases and people selling out those options and those contracts and whatnot. So you've might've missed out, but don't elude our, don't, don't take our GME I don't know. notes as like following it. It's, I don't know. Mark Cuban says, hold anyway. to the moon. <laughs> anyway, that's your, uh, not financial advice from, the stats that don't matter. <laughs> and what, what, a, what a good transition to other stats that don't matter because if you've been betting on anyone to win golf lately, you probably lost some money. Uh, mm. But I, I got I to say, since we started this podcast, right, I got a set of golf clubs that have been out there on the course, walking 18, mm -hmm. shanking them all over the place, uh, playing some rounds. I've been watching more golf too. Yep. I watched the Arnold Palmer oh, invitation. All right, all right. And I got to say, I wasn't a big fan in the beginning. But that Westwood Bryson, uh, you know, rivalry by the end of the second and the third day was fantastic, and yep. I actually really, really watched that with a lot of interest. And if you didn't, you really kind of missed out, right? Because I think the the Players Invitational tour this past week was like kind of more of the same, but Bryson didn't really show out the way that, that Westwood did. But Westwood is a guy that has kind of been, you know, off and on. Hasn't really been in the top twenty since like twenty thirteen. Came roaring, roaring back this season. Um, Yep. His wife is is his caddy. Uh, she's like a oh, fiance. sorry, fiance is his caddy, and she seems to know more about golf than than he might. So like she is so <laughs> good, and she is like in his ear, like, nah, don't do that. Like, or definitely do this. And like he trusts her in a way that like allows him to do crazy things. What crazy yeah. things might you ask? Okay. So 
you need to go out on YouTube and you need to watch this clip. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau at the Arnold Palmer on hole six. It's it's a it's a hole that the 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 fairways and and the approach and the green is a C. Okay, it's it's a big elongated C that's like flipped on its on its axis, and there's a water a big water pond on the left side. Mm-hmm. Everyone who plays that hole keeps the water on their left and they try to drive as far as they can and get over as little water as they can. Cause they don't want yep. that, those extra strokes to land on the middle of the fairway, take another, excuse me, shot or two. And then they get to the green in like three hits a par five. Well, Bryson has been in the lab for the past few years, right? He has that 48 inch driver. His muscles are crazy. His back is like super strong. He's not as like pounds in the off season. I'm sure all natural too. (laughs) He's not like that. Who's the Instagram golfer that like is the world long driving champion. Nate kills kills Burke or something. Those guys are, those guys are insane. Yeah, they are. But they, they also drive, you know, 460 yards without carry. Uh, on a big wide open and, and thing, slightly unapproved, like they could never use any. Just to be clear, they can never use any of the equipment on the tour. Well, like yeah, but we talked flexi- about that. How they're, they're more how they're flexible shafts. No, no, no. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they're more flexible shafts. They're uh, club angles that are designed specifically for long carries and things. It'd basically be like one of us going and buying like a club to give us distance and going out and hitting it. But yeah, I know. I just just to yeah. clarify for those who are listening, because I know I get asked a lot, like. Holy shit, those guys can drive that far. Why don't they just play on the tour? <laughs> well, it's because accuracy matters and those clubs that they're using would not be approved on the course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. when I saw Bryson on, on hole six, he said, I'm not going to shoot towards the right. I'm just going to turn all the way to the left and I'm just going to bomb it over the pond. Yes, yeah. you can do that. But that's like, that's like, that's what you do in 2K golf, right? Like, <laughs> that, that's like yeah. a glitch, right? It's like Antonio Ox Pro Skater, you just attempt to launch it over that way. So he did it in practice, and it was a windy day, and he kept putting it into the drink, but it was like five or ten yards short, and it was into the wind. Lo and behold, game day comes. He sits on the tee, and he bombs it 370, and it lands like right outside the green, and he's on. And, Two days in a row. Yeah, it, that was the crazy part, right? Like w- once is a once is you know sheer luck. Two is a trend. Like that definitely helped him on that hole. Now he played a lot of great golf the rest of the way. And to be honest, Westwood came up. It was hardcore. It was a putting battle. Westwood was making some insane putts, 30, 40 feet yeah. out, barely missing the cup. And Bryson kept his composure. And he ended up winning by one stroke, which yep. there's a lot of things Westwood could have done. If Westwood had also hit 370 off the tee, he's winning our Palmer Invitational. But the guy came back the next week, and he got second in the Players' Championship. And I think that's like that's really crazy to me. The guy is like he's in the top 20 again for the first time since 2013. He's making a, a roar of a comeback, and I, I love it. I, I just love that that style because Rory's been slipping lately. Like Tiger, get yep. well soon, but you know what I mean. There's a lot of things. Dustin Johnson, you have these players in golf that are that are kind of rotating and cycling, and then you got this. Like you said, it's a few episodes ago. You want someone to just kind of come out of the left field, and that's what we had. We finally had someone coming out of left, out of left field. That was Westwood, and he took Bryson all the way to putt on the 18th for the Arnold Palmer. And yeah. he needed a two putt to win, and he and he got a two putt. And I I was like biting my nails. I'm like, oh my god, like Wes was going to do this. He's actually going to do it. But you know, Bryce yeah. got the better of him that day. But, but losing by one stroke, you know what I mean? Like in, yeah. in a championship I like mean, that, not a bad thing. So watch, watching that and watching the players this weekend, we're going to talk about the players as well. 
Um, I said this when we originally talked about the Arnold Palmer and we talked about Bryson is that accuracy still trumps distance. And yeah. on that hole specifically, what you saw is a lot of guys who are driving like 320, 340, they were still getting on the green in two. So if you have a fairway shot in your second shot and it's you're 200 yards out and you're hitting, you know, a, a long iron. A lot of those guys are really comfortable with that shot and you're on the green into anyway. So it, it kind of starts to bring up questions like, I don't necessarily think the drives are what really makes the difference for his game. Um, the scary part about his game is he is such a scientist and such a sort of uh, student of the game that his short game is equally as good. Like yeah. he can play off the green. He can chip in. Like there were countless between both tournaments where he was chipping in close from, you know, 20 yards off into the rough. Like he was, he was making solid short game shots, the, the types of shots that really matter. Um, but I don't necessarily know if what I saw was an accurate reflection from a driving standpoint, where I think it makes the biggest difference is seeing what the man can do with an iron or something like on a par three or short par four where he's like two clubs shorter than what a lot of the other guys are using. So guys are getting up and they're hitting, you know, six, seven irons on a par three. He's getting up with a wedge, which is going to give him a softer landing, uh, things like that. Or if he's in the rough, he's able to muscle that thing up and out and over trees and in, in angles that aren't used to it. So, Rory kind of addressed it a little bit with a USGA where he was talking about Bryce is part of the 1% where if you start trying to limit the equipment and the things that he's using, it's only going to hinder the guys below him that aren't hitting that far who need that extra distance. Like those guys are all using the same equipment. So when you guys when, like, let's move on a little bit to the players because I thought, I thought yeah. the Arnold Palmer invitational was phenomenal. I think Bryce did a great job, but the guy, what, the fact that that one, one thing, was eight, yeah. Do you know the driver that Bryson used was not the most current Cobra driver? I believe it. I believe yeah. it. He's so scientific. He's going to use yeah. whatever fits his style. It's going to be cut to a specific length. The angle's got to be the same. He focuses more on his swing than he does the clubs that he's using. He yeah. mimics, he, he, he modifies the clubs to his swing, not his swing to the club, which is different. Now, one of the things before we move on real quick, it's sort of been the resurgence of Jordan Spieth, who was one of my favorite golfers, seeing him compete over the last few weeks, seeing him do well enough uh, in the Arnold Palmer to kind of be in the conversation, uh, kind of lost it a little bit going into Saturday at the players, but was still entertaining to watch put together a pretty good Saturday and a decent Sunday, but obviously the leaders ran away with it. Um, but, but moving into the players, Fleetwood has been great. He's one of the older guys on the tour, uh, reevaluated his game from the bottom up. He used to be someone who took it way too serious. He was someone who would get really upset both visually and verbally on the course when he wasn't doing well, has a whole new sort of look and feel on the game. And it was interesting to see the contrast between him and Bryson. Now, I don't know Bryson. I don't know anything about Bryson. But the man looks like he's always about to throw up, about to cry, or he's in pain 
in between shots and it doesn't matter what or when he smiles every now and again but as he's walking from hole to hole or from shot to shot he legitimately looks like he's in pain i'm going to predict this now that man is going to be into some weird pain and injuries in the next three or four years the same way we're starting to see some weird issues with brooks kepka who was the other big long driver in the game because that swing First of all, golf is not a natural swing in any capacity. It's just not. Um, and to do it with that much violence, uh, it puts so much strain on your lower back. It puts so much strain on your hips and your knees that you're going to start seeing these problems. Tiger Woods suffered from it. Tiger Woods was really the first sort of strength-trained, strong player out there out driving everybody and then came rory you saw rory with all of his weird issues that he had he's kind of dialed them back a little bit but he was injury prone for a while in fact there was a little viral moment um several years back i want to say like five or six years ago where commentators were saying like rory you can't be doing these strong lifts to play golf and his response was to post a video of him on instagram or something you know putting 400 pounds on his shoulders and squatting them and he tagged the commentator. So like it's become a transition, but you're going to start seeing injuries with all these. But anyway, what you saw at the players was that accuracy still trumps distance a hundred percent of the time you had Fleetwood who was in the game pretty much going into Sunday. Uh, he held the lead. If it wasn't for a weird start for both him and Bryson, where they looked like pedestrian, they looked like yeah, you. Like Bryson out- shanked it off like one of the tees, and like it went like fifty or sixty yards. Like they, they it had a ton did. of spin on it, but it, like he Dude, didn't get yeah. anywhere off that. I was like, "What is going on?" Fleetwood put it in the water like five times on the last day. Uh, in fact, Bryson topped one like any of us would, except he's probably carried an extra 120 yards further than any of ours. <laughs> We'd be hitting from the ladies' tees, and he was hitting, you know, 400 yards out on the fairway. So, um, I mean, both of them were in position to win it. They could have, but the games literally fell apart. But yeah, by stark contrast, Justin Thomas went into Saturday two under, like barely made the cut. It had some guys falling apart late into Friday that allowed him to move the cut to, to make the cut because it moved that cutoff line. Uh, he went into Saturday and into Sunday and played, and he 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 tied the lowest final two day record since you know tournaments began, and that's like a twenty five year record. He shot twelve under par Saturday and Sunday. He's not the longest driver. But that man is super accurate, and he was making the putts that mattered. So, meanwhile, you have Bryson peppering every one of these holes everywhere he went. You had this smaller frame guy come in and just blow everyone away. That was probably the second biggest surprise to me. The first being Westwood and Bryson just imploding. Uh, What was the first or second hole where both of them sprayed in either direction? One is in the water, one's in the tree, and they both shoot, you know, bogey, double bogey coming out of there. It was just bizarre to see that meltdown while a guy who literally just dialed in. Justin Thomas was one of those guys. I mean, he's no one to scoff at. He was he was one of the longest tenured number one spot holders in golf history he's a phenomenal golfer in general but it goes to show and the earliest success with jordan smith is another one of those uh he had some of the most accurate 
fairways in the entire tournament in the first couple days and through the Arnold Palmer, which goes to show that, like, when he gets it dialed in, it doesn't matter how far you can hit it as long as you're accurate because he was in the conversation in both. He's been in the conversation for the last few tournaments. I think the last, other than this weekend, which was bananas, you had a bunch of guys tied for second. You had a bunch of guys tied for fourth, um, which with Justin Thomas winning and then Westwood hitting that putt at the end to put him in sole second place, it cost the second place winners $600,000 a piece. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's what you got to do, yeah. right? Like you, you have, you have to make those, those putts. You said it, drive for show, putt for dough. Yeah. And when Westwood was making those 30, 40-foot putts and keeping the pressure on Bryson, I was like, okay, I don't know anything about this dude, but I'm going to start reading. And as I'm reading about him, I'm seeing he's been here before. He fell yep. off. He's on a comeback. And I've learned not to count out people who are on their comeback, like Tiger, for example. Lost a lot of bets yeah. that way. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's great because we're going into the Masters soon, right? And that's yep. the kind of momentum you want. So – I everyone's getting caught up on the let's get Bryson and Westwood. I want to see Thomas and Westwood. I want to see Johnson and Westwood. I, I want to see, you know, someone like just kind of really screech out, make the cut, and then you know, hit 17 at 18 greens, you know, in regulation and force people to play perfect golf. That's the stuff that I'm like that's really getting me involved in the game and like paying attention to. Not because you know the closest I've ever come to making par is like you know, double bogey, but you know, these, these, these things are important when you watch it. If you know a little bit about the game and, and like, yeah, I get it Saturday. You're like, Oh, I got stuff to do. I'm not going to watch golf, but like we've been spoiled. I think over the last couple of weeks with some really yep. good golf. And, and this is for me, I'm not a golf fan. I don't watch golf all the time, but I had a choice between golf or another sport. I watch the other sport, but now I'm watching golf and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Oh, this is how I will tell you. This is how it starts. This is how it starts for everybody <laughs> growing up who watched golf and said, oh, my God, this is so boring. How could I ever watch this? The moment you pick up a club, you realize how hard this stupid goddamn game is. And then you watch what they do on TV. You're like, oh, shit. It's, it's literally instantly different when you play golf for a little bit, realize how difficult it is. And then you watch people on TV and you're like, Holy shit. Like how it blows my mind how they do it. That's where the interest comes in. Like my son is now interested in golf, partly because I am in the proudest moment in my dad life was Thursday morning last week. My son wakes up. Well, preface that Wednesday. He goes, dad, is golf on today? I'm like, nah, buddy. The tournament doesn't start till tomorrow. He goes, oh, okay. Thursday morning, he wakes up, climbs into our bed like he does every morning. 7.30. 7.30. What's up, buddy? <laughs> he goes, I'm like, what's up, bud? He goes, daddy, you know today's golf day? I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He's like, can we? And, and every morning, like when I, you know, my wife and I alternate who gets to sleep in and who gets up with him. And uh, we make a joke. Okay, first one downstairs gets to the controller. And uh, so he gets out of bed and starts running downstairs. He's like, I'm going to go put golf on downstairs. I literally think I might have welled up for a second. Ah, Golf wasn't out yet. But anyway, um, I think we're in a really exciting time for for golf. Generally, when Tiger Woods is out of the conversation, it becomes sort of this like lull because everyone's waiting for him to come back. But that's because you had the guys like Kepka and DJ just sort of trading every tournament or every other tournament. But you got a lot of guys right now who are both making comebacks. You got a lot of guys like 
Sergio Garcia was not who I expected to turn on on any point throughout this tournament and see him leading. Personally, I'm not the biggest Sergio fan. That's just my personal preference. I think when he's on, he's a great golfer. At one point, he was the heir apparent to Tiger Woods. When Tiger Woods sort of hung it up, he was a phenomenal early age golfer. But for me, it just one of those things, you know, just rubs me the wrong way. Like LeBron rubs people the wrong way, right? Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just for me, he's not that guy. Um, but to turn on a game and see him, I mean, to turn on a, a tournament and to see him leading, it was it was surprising. So to see this sort of mix up and this change in the leaderboard, like if you read through the leaderboard for the players' championship, there's a lot of guys on there that really either not to say they don't make sense they're all pga golfers that any one of them could be up there at any point but not a lot of names that you heard of like here's the top 10 yeah justin thomas obviously everyone's heard of him westwood we just talked about you have Harmon, dechambeau paul casey gooch connors lowry charles howell the third sergio garcia um and then you have guys like morikawa who's always in the conversation Uh, i mean morikawa bell yeah, more cowbell. Uh, <laughs> in any event, uh, this was the this was a fun one to watch. It was the highest purse that's ever been paid out. Um, <laughs> I think it was second place was one point six million, and at one point there was uh, three guys tied for second place. It was Westwood, Harmon, and Deshambo, and when Westwood made that putt. It took sole second place. It dropped the two other guys down to third place, and it went from one point six to one million. So that that one putt cost twice the cost of my house. <laughs> anyway, Absolutely golf wild. is exciting right now. There's lots it of is. young guys yeah, coming up. Yep. If if you were ever looking for an opportunity to get in and kind of pay attention to what's going on with golf, this is a phenomenal time because you could literally throw a dart on the leaderboard and follow that person and there's a solid chance they're going to move up and down. I can't downplay Jordan Spieth and his little comeback that's been going on. If he can clean it up a little bit, um, like I already think he's in a phenomenal position to be comeback player of the year. I don't know if they hold those. I, I think they do. But the fact that he went in the last few years to really struggling and trying to find himself to in the top 15 for three tournaments in the conversation for this one, there just happens to be a lot of sort of even scores throughout the entire thing. Uh, I mean, there was a total of like 10 or 11 points that separated uh, him and, and the winner, but still, I love when speed is in it. Um, Actually, there was, I think, more like 13 points between him and the, and the winner. But um, I love when Spieth's in it. I think, it's, I think he's one of the best guys on the tournament, both from uh, just a personality perspective, gameplay perspective. So, food I'd for agree. thought. But yeah, food for thought. Indeed. It's a great time right. to watch. It is. Let's, let's go ahead and close this episode up. All right. We started this podcast when the pandemic was like beginning to really – ascend to its heights right and, and we said mm-hmm. all right we're, we're at home we're watching all these, these 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 old sports shows you know we're watching content like the last dance we're doing you know all, all kinds of stuff and then we had the return of sports no fans guess what states have now said 
The vaccine for, for coronavirus has been out for a while, and we're going to go ahead and open up. Some states like Florida and Texas are saying there's no mask mandates anymore. Some private businesses might still hold those, but a lot of states are saying, nah, we're rescinding this mask requirement. You know, the, the vaccination rates are going up, and that is a good that is a good part of this struggle that we've been dealing with this pandemic. Texas Rangers have said on their opening day, full capacity for fans, 45,000 plus. But Florida said, wait, hold my beer, because uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have Usman Masvidal 2 at UFC 261 <laughs> next month with a full stadium of 15,000 people in a much more confined and closed air space. And it, it just got me thinking, right, Sam? Like, I want sports to be back. But we yep. didn't really see sports ever go away, right? There are some countries whose sports was stopped completely because of the pandemic. America found a way to push through. And we had some we had some thoughts and some conversations about whether we should be doing that, which we did. Now we're here. We went through full seasons. We, we crowned champions through a pandemic. And now we're getting to the point where we're saying, listen, states are opening up. You're going to start to get real fans. I want to go see a sports game. I, I really do, right? I mean, yeah. I live in Virginia. It's not too far from Nats Park, Audi Field. I want to go see some sporting events. I really do. But opening at full capacity, to me, just seems like a little bit tone deaf, right? Like, open at full capacity, but make a mask mandate. Open at full capacity, but you're only going to allow 75%. Even though you're opening at full capacity, you're, you're saying to your fans – we, we care about your safety, right? If the players are having to do all these things, you want you want the fans. But it's like, everyone's like, look, we took so many financial L's last year. We're just trying to get back and we're just trying to get this done. Like, Fight Island was crazy for the UFC when we thought about it, but Dana White made it work. We could have yep. gone two more fight cards on, you know, Yaz Island before needing to move back to Vegas, but we moved to Vegas. We had this successful triple uh, title shot last week, right? Which I think that was a fantastic fight card. So now we're getting... To UFC 261 next month in Florida, and we're having full fans. Yeah, it's going to be great to hear fans cheering when someone like Masvidal or Usman connects. I'm going to be super happy about it. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I'm going to feel guilty in the fact that like the United States is not vaccinated at 50%. If we were vaccinated at 50%, open up all the sports stadiums. Let's go, buddy. Have a mask mandate. You, and like you're, you're double protecting at that point to, to a T. To a and you had some fans at the Darnold Palmer Invitational. Most of them were in masks. You had some fans at the players, right? You're probably not going to see fans at the at the Masters at Augusta. But, like, I'm worried that now that these states are opening up and just saying, hey, we've had enough. We've taken enough financial losses. Like, we're just going to go full send. That, like, all the hard work we've done as a nation to get where we are. And that includes everyone. That includes prior administration, this administration, all the people who worked in vaccines, all the people who wore their masks, wore gloves, took all this social distancing, you know, seriously, like we're Shout right at the finish line who took that shit very seriously. Right. It, <laughs> it just seems like there's a lot of people in America who have taken so many L's and we're just saying, oh, psh, we're done with it. We're opening it up. Like I can, I can go with a half season this year of fans in the stands. I can, I, I can do it. I, I just don't want us to open up full bore. And then what we're going to find out is that, 3,000 people from that UFC event are COVID positive. 
And then yeah. now we got to go right back in the hopper and we got to figure out who, you know, who gave it to where we got to contact trace, we got to do all this stuff. Like, and it's even bigger of a problem for Texas, but then it's like, does the state government even worry about it? And it just seems to me that like, we've asked these athletes and I get it. They get paid a lot of money to play a sport. We've mm-hmm. asked them to live in bubbles. We've asked them to, to give us entertainment when we're starved for it. Right. It's yep. not like Netflix or HBO max, where they have content that it's already hopped up and produced and ready to go. They have to go out there and actually play those games. And I just don't think it's like a smart thing to open at full capacity. If you don't have like things tied to it. And, and that's just, that's just me. Right. I, yeah. I just want people to be safe. I want to see an NFL game again. I want to see an NFL game is so bad. I would, I would settle for preseason baseball or football. I would, I would, I would go watch an AAU game if I could. But I want to do it in a safe manner. And I want the rest of America really to kind of be along that line, too. And I just feel like people aren't taking it that seriously. Yeah, I think this is. um, Unfortunately, I think this is the tipping point in where the United States just no longer gives a shit about COVID and starts treating it, treating it like another flu. Right. Because once you open the box, it's going to be nearly impossible to put everyone back in that box. And for me. And this is a slightly cynical view. I think there was a lot of negative opinions on how Florida, or sorry, not Florida, how Texas managed the last weather incident, right? So there's a lot of issues that went on with uh, getting support, weather outages, all that sort of stuff. And then uh, when you come out not that long after and you release everybody who you know you know the the general population down there you can pretty much guess where they stand on masks and government restrictions and all that stuff so yeah they're they're mostly pro government not being in their lives yeah so it seemed a little bit to me going for a big win after they just took a big L, right? You had that mayor who came out and told people just kind of suck it up and deal with your own shit. Everyone else deals with their own shit, which wasn't a good look. You had Ted yep. Cruz going on a family vacation in the middle of everything going on, both in a pandemic and when your your state is shut down using the excuse, oh, this was a pre-planned vacation. Now, to be fair to Ted Cruz, if I had the funds and the means to move my family out of a situation when shit got bad short term, I would 100% do that. I would have even... Yeah, but not as a senator, though. No, I'm not even going to go down this path because once I start, I don't want it to create a, uh, a, a larger conversation than what is necessary. People, be safe. Do what you feel comfortable with. But please be safe while you do it. I, I've spent a year in lockdown. I'm looking for another year in lockdown. So please, for the love of God, please. And please, please for the love of God, subscribe to this Matter podcast and share it. <laughs> like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, interact with us. We're podcast for the people. We thank you so much for supporting us and listening to us drone on, especially me after that last episode. I listened to that today. I was like, "Woo, your boy was on his, his soapbox, Preacher Smith. But, you know, that (laughs) stimulus is hitting this week. By the time that you listen to this episode, your stimulus is probably hit. So from uh, Sam Stimmy and Stimothy Cronin, (laughs) this (laughs) Assamator podcast wishes you and yours a very happy week. And we'll talk to you soon.